So, Chris, how are you? Awesome. I'm good. I'm good. How how's your day? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I see you got see so you got the Knights nice Death shirt on. What uh is this a record yeah. specific shirt or is this just a a generic? Oh, spiritual healing. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, spiritual healing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. I figured like something a little psychotic for the movie. That's a little psychotic. Yeah, honestly, a pretty fitting, uh, uh, both Death and The Shining, like, uh, I, see, I see the fit there. Both 80s, both 80s-centric kind of things, even though Shining feels a little more 70s, I guess because it was shot yeah. in the 70s, but, but still. Um, all right, so this is The Juice, which is a podcast where I talk with my friends and other musicians that I look up to about their favorite movie. Um, my guest today is Chris. I always... Never, I, I'm gonna butcher your last name. I, whenever I see it written out, I'm like, is it Titai or or you 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 tell me what? How do you pronounce it? it? Oh, you're giving it a little bit of extra sauce. Like you're churching it up. It's just Teddy. Teddy. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, you're like giving it like a little extra. Like if I was in like a Euro metal band, like Titai. Ah, uh, like, yes, like Chris Titai. Like, like you're an Alcest or something like that. Yeah, like oh, we got new neural DSP plugin for Chris Tatai, a famous <laughs> frog band or something, you know? <laughs> no, it's just American as hell. <laughs> okay, perfect. So, perfect. so, so, uh, Jesus Christ. So Tatai. So it's not Tatai. It's Teddy. 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 Yeah. Teddy. I got it. I got it. Oh, yeah. so my guest today is Chris Teddy. You play in a band called The World's a Beautiful Place, so I'm no longer afraid to die. You record bands at Silver Bullet, and you just yeah. filled in you just filled in for end um yes. on a tour. Is there anything I'm forgetting? Are you playing any other I know that especially guys who record at studios, I feel like you get mm-hmm. looped into uh filling in <laughs> or being in other bands all the time. Is there anything I'm leaving off right now? Not anything like uh current. No, I mean that's a good spread. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty it's it's a pretty good little little list right there. Um, <laughs> I I'm I actually am gonna have uh, someone in and I'm gonna have Will on to talk about Interstellar soon. So uh, uh, nice, be a nice little yeah. yeah 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 it'll be fun. Um, oh yeah, I right. think we I think we briefly talked about that on the tour. You oh mentioned really? That. Okay, all yeah. right. I'm uh, uh, so you'll be you, you just let him know that it's not quite as bad. The process isn't quite as bad as he might think it, it may be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. The for you, the juice is the shining. Um, there's like I usually go through a bunch of questions just about like, you know, you watching movies growing up and stuff like that. I'm going to go through them briefly just because there's just so much. There's so much. This is my first Kubrick that I've covered with anyone, and I actually listened mm-hmm. to two separate podcasts that I like cover The Shining, uh, just to like, you know, uh, fill in any blanks that I had left off. You've seen this movie a million times. I've seen this movie, maybe not a million, but but maybe half a million times. Um, we both rewatched it very recently. You watched it last night. You said, "Oh yeah, yep, yeah." 
so per- perfect time of year for it too. The only better mm-hmm. time being uh, literally if it's snowing outside. Oh, that's um, my favorite. That's my favorite time to watch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I usually I usually opt for Fargo or The Thing when it's snowing, but this is like I after this watch especially, I kind of feel like I might go to this even if it if it snows tomorrow and I just watched The Shining 2 days ago, I still might go back to it just to watch it again because of how how hooked I was this time around. Not that I haven't been other times, but I'm just yeah, I'm buzzing right now about this movie. And I also Same. to to do a little prep I was going to go to a theater to see my favorite Kubrick movie, Eyes Wide Shut. It was playing right around the corner from me. 45 minutes, maybe not right around the corner, but I wound up not being able to go, so I just watched it last night. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going with uh, – I'm, I'm hot off of a little bit of a Kubrick streak. And, nice. Uh, and I'm ready to rock. Uh, so let's, let's, jump into, let's jump into a couple of things before we do the actual movie itself. Mm-hmm. So The Shining's like, in my opinion, a perfect movie for a young kid to kind of like get them into watching movies or horror specifically. I feel like it's a good like parents will show them this movie because it's it's not that bad just in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, so there's there's little flashes of violence. I, I think the worst of it is like uh, some of the, the stuff that Danny sees in the hallway with the twins or maybe yeah. uh, Scatman getting the axe. Um, everything yes. else is like implied, and it's 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 a lot of like uh, tension more than it is actually scary imagery. Yeah. Um, Plus, you get to identify with the kid, but like the age, I probably would have seen it first. I was pretty close to his age, so yeah. At least you gonna, have like a character to cling to. Ex- yeah. That, so I was going to ask, actually, is this the first, uh, like, the first time that you watched it? Are you a younger kid? Or is it, yeah. Oh, when are, how for sure I was younger. Like, I, I don't know exact age, but probably between 8 and 10. Yeah, that's like, yeah. It's like kind of the perfect age. I didn't see The Shining specifically until I was maybe 14 or 15. I had my, like, Aliens, The Thing, uh, The Fly, that kind of stuff when I was, like, 8 to 10. Um, but my dad was always more of a, like, sci-fi horror guy as opposed to a just straight-up thriller horror guy so i got a little bit more of the sci-fi pushed on me and then as i kind of carved my own path i i delved into uh i i delved into you know the stephen king which we'll talk about the stephen king aspect of it etc and so forth so being that you're eight or ten like the the thing that i always go back to and think about like and i've mentioned it on multiple episodes of the pod now is like when you're a kid and you really like a movie and you just watch it over Mm -hmm. and over again Maybe a little bit even younger than like eight, but about this age for me was it was like School of Rock came out and it was a movie I yeah. watched every every night before bed. Is there any of those that you had that isn't The Shining growing up that you can remember? Um, I feel like I'm trying to think because I would watch a lot of movies that were on TV. Sure. So like. I mean, my parents had a couple VHSs where they had definitely recorded, like, the TV. And, like, you know, I had, like, Home Alone. I would watch Home Alone a ton because I yeah. think we had a, a VHS copy that my parents basically recorded off TV. So you'd see the same ad every five minutes in it. But I feel like it's, like, kind of weird because when I was a kid, I, I watched – I was really into Shawshank Redemption. Okay. And, like, The Shining. And – um, uh. Yeah, like, because they would play on TV a lot. Like, TBS would play them. And, like, 
I would be at my grandmother's house a lot. So, so actually like I would see those a lot and um, just on TV. So like, I mean, I had VHSs and shit ever shit. So I just kind of live it as if I was in the movie, if that makes sense. Like it was like a frustrating time. <laughs> like sure. I didn't know the ending of Groundhog Day till like I was a late, te- like late teenager and, and finally watched the entire movie. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely had a little bit of that. Like you don't uh, where the there one there's edited aspects of it so like there's stuff where if i'm watching like tbs is like the perfect tbs tnt they had some of those like you know around halloween they would play halloween and stuff like that and so the difference between uh seeing it on tv versus when i would like i was a library kid uh yeah like 11 or 12 maybe i was constantly going with my mom she's like a big book reader and um, yeah. I would always, I would always get movies and CDs, and I would get like the limit was like eight movies and six CDs. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have it, have it flipped. But either way, um, I would get the the max every time. And and so like, it was stuff where I would gravitate towards stuff that I've seen on TV or clips of. And then yeah, it was a it was a thing where I was like, oh, they don't show this on TV or like The Shining thing, the stair, the my my favorite part of the movie. Not to get too ahead of myself, the staircase where mm-hmm. you know he's Wendy darling light of my life uh you know uh, uh i'm gonna bash your fucking head in and and it's like those little uh edits that they have to make for tv where it's like either just complete silence or like i'm gonna bash your little head in or something like where it's like he has yeah to, like it's it, it, always so funny seeing those differences oh, oh yeah it's like the the tv edit where you have like big lebowski like yeah. the tv edit for that like it's when you meet a stranger in the alps i think was the famous <laughs> yeah, edit yeah. um Yep, yep. Which that was another movie I'd see on like TBS a lot as a kid, and so like we, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is a good one. <laughs> the, Big Lebowski is one that is just like there's just so much swearing in it that it's like so hard. Those edits, like, mu- it must have been insane to to watch that. Yeah, back. Yeah, um, which it, it makes me think of when I was a kid. I had a Blink One Eighty Two CD. This is getting off topic, but it was edited, and there was an entire song that just didn't have vocals. <laughs> because there was so much swearing so i thought it was instrumental till i was 25 it's so. <laughs> you know what it is i just recently started rewatching the uh, again a a, a a highlight of my childhood the austin powers movies and there's a bit oh yeah in gold member where dr evil's in jail and he's doing the the song he's doing the the it's a hard knock life and he's got the whole mm-hmm. verse that's completely edited out as a gag it's like that, that's <laughs> so so good so good oh yeah um oh yeah oh so all right so growing up like so home alone's a, a really great one shawshank redemption it's it's such a weird pick for a young kid but it makes so much sense it was just on tv a lot and yeah. i was like i was like i feel like i connect with this but i couldn't talk to my friends about it at school they're like i don't know that's weird i just saw the new like whatever dinosaur movie that came out and like sure. i mean me saying that i like shawshank redemption as an eight to ten year old and the shining makes it seem like i'm real highbrow but also i love space balls and dumb and dumber so like yeah no i i think it's the perfect mix of like Yes, the 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 highbrow stuff. It's 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 great, and we're talking about a highbrow movie right now. But like, 
you know, the you need you need Dumb and Dumber, you need Austin Powers to keep yourself grounded. We're not Stanley yeah. Kubrick, you know. It's like we're, yeah. we're and and even one of my favorite Kubrick stories, him being perplexed by movies like Dumb and Dumber or modern romance or something like that and he literally is infatuated with movies was infatuated with movies like that because he didn't know how to make that kind of movie <laughs> and and it's, yeah. it's so funny it's so funny to think of of that aspect of him um but yeah you need the you need the mix you need the mix yeah um so so you've have you carried this like honestly uh when we've spoken we've mostly just spoken about music um uh-huh. so so it seems like, and I probably should do more homework before I ask people on the pod, but I just, I like asking my friends and, and, you know, just like, it's, it's nice to hang out and talk with friends as it's an excuse to do this podcast, but I don't know much about like your movie habits right now. So are you like, are you a big movie guy or, uh, or is it like kind of more, uh, when you get the chance? It's, it's, it's honestly, it's like when I get the chance, but I'm like still surrounded by it because, um, my studio partner, Greg Thomas, he, he, he co-owns the studio with me, Silver Bullet. And so like, he's really into movies. So I am constantly hearing about movies like all the time, even if I'm not watching them, I'm like constantly like bombarded with it in a good way. And like, I'm constantly around like, like signed posters from like john carpenter like batman 89 and stuff so like by proxy i've picked it up so like i feel like i'm more i'm into movies more than like the normal person sure. but like because of studio stuff literally because of studio stuff and touring like i only get to watch movies like like it's way less than i used to yeah it, like because yeah. i'm like i'll feel guilty like oh no i need to finish a mix on this record right now why am i watching this but it is like becoming a good way for me to kind of step back for a minute because i do like work so such long hours all the time that i need something to separate my brain so i'm trying to be better about it and um especially since getting back from the end tour that i did in november i was just like oh i've just been working constantly and then was away for like four weeks so like i i need something i need something to keep me sane so um yeah, I, I there's a lot of stuff I need to catch up on too. I feel like bands will come through and be like, "Oh, do you see this new A24 movie?" I'm like, "No," but like I sure. I need to. But I have wa- I have been watching like some A24 stuff and like Mia Goth related like movies recently. Mia Goth, so. my favorite my favorite working actress right now. Have you have you yeah. done Infin- Infinity Pool? Just came out this year. Yes, I like just recently did it. I it, yeah. it rocked my world. I I went into it not knowing anything. I actually kind of prefer not knowing much sure. about a movie going in. Like yeah. I did that with X. I had no idea. Literally Greg Greg was like we're going to the theater today. All all I'm going to tell you is Chelsea Wolf did part of the soundtrack and I was like I'm down. Who gives it I don't like I that's I'm in. And it was like perfect for me cuz I love like like first Texas Chainsaw Massacre 70s like yeah 70s 80s stuff a lot so it was like the perfect blend for me so like yeah. actually kind of going in not knowing anything I didn't see a trailer nothing that's awesome but, yeah yeah the 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 x that trilogy that that uh Ty West got cooking it is like it's I went into x so it felt so refreshing just to see like a slasher that was there's a lot of like I've I've I'm trying to coin a new term called bubble bubblegum slashers 
there's like there's a lot that are straight to straight to streaming like there's there's a couple that came out this year uh i can't remember the names of them because they are so forgettable but uh i mean i just not... saw slaughterhouse okay, that's a that, slasher kind of kind of that sounds that just came out this year or is this an old yeah yes no it came out this year it's like crazy um sloth goes insane and slash it's like slasher thing but it's kind of bubblegummy right it's like a comedy almost yeah i there's it's it's like there's a line i feel like and some of them are a little too cute and i'm calling them bubblegum slash i cannot pronounce bubblegum my god bubblegum slashers um, and it's nice to see something like X that is just mean at its core. Uh, and like, I, I like the Texas Chainsaw com- uh, co- comparable because it's like old, uh, kind of like 70s and Southern, I guess is the best way to put it. And and just kind of dirty too. Just like a dirty. Yeah. It's great. Mean movie. Yeah. Really great. Um, okay. All right. So uh, the the only other thing before I get into The Shining, I guess, is... Uh, as far as like going, uh, like you, you talked about Greg dragging you to the theater, not dragging as in a, you know, but like taking you to the yeah, theater, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, any memories, uh, of any, any big movie memories on tour, like day off or an instance where you just saw a movie on tour that, that was like a great day. Yes. Okay. There's two, there's two. Well, one of my first tours ever. We had a day off. It was like in like Oklahoma or something. Like we had no reason to be there. We were just like a DIY like punk yeah. like punk band. And like day off and we went to go see it was two thousand nine, so it was like the Terminator with Christian Bale. Okay. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which not a great movie. Not a great movie, but the experience was awesome. Like, just everybody in my band was excited. We had been away for, like, three weeks. And, like, we were, like, an actual day off for the first time in this tour. And we're going to see a Terminator movie. And I just remember, like, the opening, like, theme hitting and our drummer just, like, losing his mind. like, yes! (laughs) Like, we were pumped. And then um, seeing – it was 10 years ago now, so it would have been, what, a 20 – 2013. It would have been a 20th anniversary. It was an anniversary for Jurassic Park. Okay. Going on and off day, Jurassic Park, like it did like, um yeah, like the 20th anniversary or something. And you walk into the theater and they had Jeeps that looked like they were the Jurassic Park Jeeps inside. That's awesome. And stuff. And like the whole band went. We we did a challenge where we had to listen to uh, Lulu by Metallica. Uh-huh. And you couldn't have like, and you couldn't react this was during a drive on the tour. We you couldn't react, you couldn't laugh, you couldn't look at each other, you couldn't use your phone, you couldn't talk. During the whole thing, there was a five minute intermission in the middle. And then if you fell asleep or did anything, the band wouldn't pay for your ticket. But if you made it through the challenge of listening to Lulu by Metallica, without having any reaction the whole time, the band would pay for your ticket. One person fell asleep in the last minute. We didn't pay for their ticket. But we did pay for the ticket of our friend who came along with us that day. <laughs> yeah, this is um, quite literally the perfect example of like a going to see a movie on tour story. Uh, yeah, uh, that rocks. <laughs> that absolutely rocks. And so you you just listen to it on repeat on your way to the theater, I assume. Well, 
Um, it was our the day we were dri- we were like driving to play a fest in Richmond. So the day uh, we were driving there, we listened to the whole record, which was like an hour and a half or something. Right, right. It was something long enough to have the intermission. We just listened to it once. It was it was okay, enough gotcha. mentally. Yeah. So and like it was everybody's first listen. Like it had just come out. Like we didn't know. We knew, but we didn't know at the yeah, same yeah. time. Like how crazy it would be. So yeah, that was the challenge. So free Jurassic Park in 3D anniversary viewing in the theater. I love it. I, I, I guess you know the one other experience is actually Shining related. So I think it works for this. Okay. I was doing a record. I was doing a record in 2019 with a band, and basically, um, it's just one person who does all like the music and stuff for this band. Yeah. So it's super easy to coordinate stuff. So. Uh, we went to go see The Shining in 4K, like it was like um, a or an IMAX showing. It was like a like one night only at the local theater, awesome. and we w- we went to go see it. We we stopped tracking early one night to go see it. Another time where Greg was like, "You should go see this movie. It's gonna be fun," and it was like a fun experience to do that in the middle of the record because I get such tunnel vision that like doing anything yeah. outside of tracking is like hard but when I do it's like a nice break especially when you're tracking for like two or three weeks nonstop. so we went to go see it and then like it was amazing to see we were talking about the movie the re- like for tracking you know the next few days and yeah. Then the band, the band had to like pick a name. It was basically a band that had like was renaming themselves and all this stuff. And they picked mm-hmm. the name Topiary Creatures because of the book. Okay. I think because we went to go see The Shining, it like left an impression. And then now the ba- the band is called Topiary Creatures because probably because of that. And like that's us awesome. going to see The Shining during tracking. That's so sick. That's so sick. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's actually, in my opinion, a perfect segue into kind of talking about ta- talking about the movie and talking about specifically like before we d- jump into the the way that I want to structure it is essentially talking about King and Kubrick, and then the actors. I want to talk about Shelley and uh, Shelley and Jack, and then I want to kind of go through the plot, the fan theory shit, uh, and then and then ask you some questions, and then we'll be done. Um, all right, here's we already talked about kind of your first time. Do you remember specifically your first time seeing it? Like I, I know, like you said, it was between eight and ten. Do you remember the circumstances? VHS, cable, uh TBS it would have been on TBS, like definitely sure. TBS, because like my grandmother only got like basic cable, and that was like the only like decent channel, aside from if you got like King of the Hill and Simpsons around six o'clock on Fox. Pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I was dialed in uh, <laughs> and like my parents wouldn't have been there. Cause my parents probably would have nixed it. Like my, my right. mom was like super against horror stuff or anything. So I had to like sneak it. It actually made it more enticing her. Pro- like she kind of fucked up into making me think that stuff was really cool. So now I have like, Oh, there's a demon on my arm, like tattoo, yeah. like, cool. You told me that that stuff was bad. So now I, in my thirties, I think it's amazing. Yeah. I, I don't think that <laughs> parents realize that like that that when you make something so forbidden it is like the thing you want to do the most it's insane yeah yeah so they they fucked up on on that front uh so i was like oh i'm I'm gonna watch this i had no idea what it was but it freaked me out so much that it was like a fascination yeah like especially the scene you know the the guy in the 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 costume like the the bear costume yeah things like whatever that thing is that that oh 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially. So, at, like, so I think it was just morbid fascination. Yeah. Especially at that age with the, with the bear costume thing, it's like you're, you're eight, you're eight to 10. You don't even know what the implication is there. It's just, it's just scary because it's a human and a human who is naked and a bear. Super weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so definitely, it. Just, I like. Yeah, so that's that would have been my first view, and it's like somewhere around that at my grandmother's at that eight, at eight and ten, you know. That's, I yeah, makes sense, makes sense. All right, Stephen King. Do you have a relationship with him yeah. other than being super into The Shining and Shawshank Redemption? Um, not like huge, honestly. Like I. Because I, I haven't really, re- I, I might have read like one of his books when I was younger. I did read like a lot when I I was like in middle school age and read a lot of stuff that I sh- probably shouldn't have at that age. But like, it's really like the movies that have been like adapted, really. Right. Like, obviously, I saw it. I feel like if you're kind of into this stuff, you've seen it. Yep. You know, yep. but I, I wouldn't say I'm like I'm I'm not like uh, Stephen King head on the books. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. I I actually feel like now I have a short list of his books that I want to read, especially because it's it's impossible for me to even wrap my head around the idea of being a Stephen King book completionist because he writes like four Mm -hmm. books a year and by his own admission, half of them are bad, like maybe not bad (laughs) by his own admission, but half of them are like almost like drafts for other books. He'll write like a crazy car book. And then write his good crazy car book, that kind of thing. Maximum Overdrive, yeah. Uh, Christine or whatever. Um, but okay, so what about? I mean, you? Carrie. Like I would have seen oh. Carrie. I would also would have seen like Carrie as a kid and stuff. But that stuck about, less with me, I guess. What about Misery? I haven't. Seen oh really? So yeah, no. Tell because because it sounds like like you said, Greg is super into movies and horror. You you should you should like be like we should watch Misery together. That is, in Hell, my yeah. opinion, other than The Shining, because I know that The Shining is like, I haven't read the book. I assume you haven't read the book either? No. So I, I I know that there's some other shit in that that kind of, you know, gets left mm-hmm. out uh, uh, and expanded more on in, in Doctor Sleep or whatever. We'll talk about that later, too. Um, but, like, I think Misery Pound for Pound is my favorite Stephen King adaptation. It's like neck and neck with The Shining. But I haven't read uh-huh. either book. So I've got like a short list of like, I should read these books because I like these movies. And then if I really, if I really dig it, I'll delve into the other great King books uh, and then cut myself yeah. off there. It sounds like a, a, a project in and of itself, even just doing the short stack of stuff that I, uh-huh. would, that I would like, I think. Um, oh, yeah. So what about Kubrick? Do you have a relationship with the, where do you stand on like, directors where it's like you think about like especially thinking about like directors filmographies versus artists discographies Mm -hmm. thinking about like being a completionist or a fan of you know directors versus artists that kind of thing do you have Mm -hmm. uh any kind of fascination with anyone in particular or is it kind of just i like the movies i like and it just so happens that this person makes it and that's kind of it um I mean, I think I think that for like directors that I like, it's it's like a pretty wide range of it because I like with Kubrick, with Kubrick, I guess in particular, 
even though I haven't seen all his movies, like honestly, I, I really haven't seen them all, but like the ones that I like, you know, like, like the off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah. Obviously the shining. And then you have 2001 and yep. eyes wide shut. Like yep. those have like tripped me out so hard that like, yeah, it left a mark. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, even if yeah. I didn't see the others, like, even if I didn't see the others, I'd be like, he's, it doesn't even matter if he had a hundred other films that were horrible. And those were his three good ones. Yeah. He's still amazing. Like, like, uh, Metallica's had a, like a long run of albums that I haven't liked, but they had a good run and say in the eighties of right. like all their, like those ones is like how the barometer for them. Granted Kubrick has a better, I know uh, everybody can, yeah, his better track record of all his movies, but um, even just by those three, I'm like, yeah, I, I would, if someone was like, oh, who are some of the, like your favorite directors, I would put Kubrick in it, yeah. literally because of the, those three are better than most people's like one best film. Yep. yep. I feel. Com- yeah, yes. That's, that's like a perfect, in my opinion, a perfect answer to that. I, and I wanted to qu- quickly go through his filmography and yeah. like, so essentially like uh, I'm going to leave off here and desire and killers kiss. Those are the one, two of his movies in the fifties that kind of feel almost like someone made a comparable that I, I love where it's like, think about bands that you love that had just like from record one put out mm-hmm. nothing but perfect music. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it almost is so, it's discouraging in a sense, especially when you put out a record or two where you're just like, mm-hmm. how the fuck were they able to just do this immediately? I love yeah. the fact that Kubrick's first two movies are essentially regarded as fine and like him learning. <laughs> and then, and yeah. then it turns into, he turns into a master. Um, mm-hmm. So those two, uh, the killing past. Oh. Stories. oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I'm looking at the list now. I forgot clockwork, but keep going. Well, so I was going to say, I was going to say, so, the Killing and Paths of Glory, two unbelievable movies. Um, I wonder if I'll ever, t- if anything, I would I, I, maybe someone's favorite movie is Path of Glory, but I, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, Spartacus feels Spartacus was essentially a uh, for hire job. Lolita is fine, and then we get into like just one of the most unbelievable runs ever. Um, yeah, which is Doctor Strange Love. So, so of these, Strange Love, two thousand one, Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, sneakily my second or third favorite. The Shining, Full Metal Jacket, Eyes Wide Shut. Which of these have you not seen? Barry Lyndon. Okay. Um, Doctor Strange Love. I'm gonna say I haven't seen it, but I've seen clips of it. Yeah, makes sense. Um, makes sense. So, um, yeah, it's it's funny looking at this list. I'm like, oh yeah, off the top of my head, I just didn't. I totally spaced out, of of course. Um, but like, yeah, I've seen, yeah. And and just counting, I think it's 11. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Okay, it's 13. But still, it's like thinking about just how he spanned, you know, from the 50s to essentially 2000, pretty much 50 years. And he's got 13 movies. And thinking about the gap between – thinking about mm-hmm. the fact that The Shining is – he's got only two more movies left in him and he dies 20 years later. It's kind of crazy yeah. to think about. Um yeah. And and so like yeah, looking looking at this, it's almost like you've probably seen more than more per, a larger percentage of his movies than you even thought. With you know mm-hmm. the caveat of especially those older ones being kind of like first two being relatively skippable, and then the Killing and Paths of Glory. As much as I do like both of those movies, they are a little. Um, I feel like you kind of have to 
either want to be a Kubrick completionist or be into like, I, I want, I like noirs. I like old forties, fifties noirs. Let me check out the killing or like old war mm-hmm. movies. Let me check out Paths of Glory, specifically court war mm-hmm. movies. Really sick. Really, really sick. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, you know, just the point I wanted to make just being what an unbelievable run and yeah. relatively short. Um, yeah. I, I wonder, I, I, I did see a thing that said during eyes wide shot, I think it was, a, um, apparently people saw Kubrick still working on cuts for the shining. Apparently like he kept like fiddling with it. He, he did that a lot. He's one of those guys that, and, and specifically the shining, he, it kind of rattled him, which is part of the reason why he didn't make a ton after it is essentially he Barry Lyndon is like, I couldn't recommend that movie enough. It is just about a guy who kind of sucks. But it's it's set in the 1700s. It's like unbelievably mm-hmm. funny, or the 1800s rather. But either way, it's like maybe it is the 1700s. I forget. It's it's like a just about a guy who sucks, and he kind of mm-hmm. travels around the world. Um, and so while that got Oscar noms, it wasn't a hit really. Um, and he was like, all right, I need to make I need to make a hit. I want to make a genre movie. I wanna I want to do a horror movie. Um, I was going to wait to get into this a little bit, but I feel like it's it, because it is um, relatively uh, uh, it's related to this. He he specifically had his assistant grab him like a bunch of horror bestselling books. And the, the thing mm-hmm. that she said was he would read the she would give him a stack and he'd start to read them. And then she would hear him say some, scream something and throw the book against the wall. And, like, it was a thing where, you know, he was just like, this is bullshit. He threw it against the wall into the trash bin. And it went on for a little while. And then all of a sudden, she, it was like three, four hours went by and she didn't hear that. And she was like, I think we might have a winner here. Uh, and that was The Shining. Um, so he, he, you know, basically, like, uh, he, he basically was like, I, I want to make a horror movie. Um, and, and thinking, I think, this is kind of in or kind of on the cusp of being in let me make it the way that I would. And I, I think this will be a hit and it just wasn't. Um, and it's just one of those things where like uh, there's plenty of stuff. We see it in music all the time. See it, see it with mm-hmm. movies that like it comes out and people are like disinterested or whether it's a big band mm-hmm. people are disinterested or people are just unaware of it. And then as it ages, it's like, He's just so incredibly, it's insane. I feel like this happens mm-hmm. with a lot of his movies, like 2001, the whole AI aspect of it. It's insane that it plays better in the 2020s than it does in the 60s. Um, but that's that's kind of yeah. like... And somehow it still looks better than films now. It's, uh, it's Like somehow it just looks amazing. Still. It's an insane. I don't get it. Um, and so The Shining specifically, uh, you know, he was a little rattled when it was met with criticism and, and just didn't do that well and he kind of you know on top of it just as he got older it took longer and longer for him to make movies because he was he was so particular um yeah and and yeah so that's that's uh an interesting little footnote on that and the Uh the thing that i want to get into is Uh kind of that kubrick like the the mystery behind him and like uh especially being I, I listened to a, a a podcast series that essentially covered all of his movies and they they over the course of the episodes they went movie by movie and they kind of uncovered 
you know, the thing that people are drawn to about him is there's like an air of mystery to him because he he just yes interviews and like because of that and we see this with music all the time too you know like bands that wear masks shit like that where it's like they uh-huh. don't know their real names there's a fascination and I yeah. think his was probably a little self curated but also like because he just wanted to do his work and not really deal with uh interviews whatever whatever the case may be yeah um but basically like the 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 secrets the and the mystery behind him and and so if you think of anything about kubrick is there is there any weird stereotype that you hear about his movies or the way that he made movies i mean like the big one is like him doing countless takes of scenes and like yep. like what like 100 takes for a scene you know in the shining uh even 40 to 50 like you know that type of stuff and it's like I think he had some ment- he had some mental health stuff going on for sure. I mean, he because he, he also like he was like uh, how do I say it? Like he did they, they? I think they filmed a lot of it in England too. Like he didn't want to leave like where he was living. He, He's kind of like a hermit too. He, so he did not he did not leave England? I think like for the last 30 or 40 years of his life. He didn't want to fly. Yeah. Yeah. Like he didn't want to leave. So, so you already have like that kind of going like that. He's just like mysterious in that way. I think he did. I feel like he didn't do interviews cause he was just truly so strange. Yeah, like, yeah. like, like didn't care about it. He's like an actual artist, but I, I mean, I heard that, you know, the crazy amount of takes and him just being like very weird while filming, you know, so, so yes, the 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 two things, and I want to dive further into the takes thing because of obviously mm-hmm. the Shelley Duvall aspect. But the other thing that you that you mentioned being like him being strange, and I think the the strangest thing is if you talk to if you talk to if you see interviews from any of these people who did these movies with him, you see like it seemed like he was very pleasant, just very particular, and particular in a way that is like he wanted a lot of options. Okay, so the t- the the takes thing. Here's yes. I I want to get into this with you specifically because you are an engineer and you and and you record and produce essentially. So yeah, the the more and more I hear about Kubrick and his his constant takes thing, the more and more I like see where he's coming from. And obviously, the other director uh-huh. that uh that who's known for this that's more modern is David Fincher. Um, uh-huh. and and I think he's able to articulate even better than Kubrick did because Kubrick just was a little bit more uh, secluded. Um, uh-huh. he, he wanted, like, he, he essentially wants you to let go of any preconceived notions of, of like, this is how I should deliver this line. This is how I should walk into this room, whatever. He wants you to uh-huh. essentially sh- shut your brain off and, like, do something that he's not expecting. And and so that's the it's, – it's one of those things where the more and more I, like – practice my guitar think about like the way that i'm playing certain parts get ready for recording situations the the more i'm like i really like this approach of obviously it's not conducive to like you know people who have he he had this freedom obviously where it's like he's uh-huh. made these incredible movies no one's going to tell him that he's got to he worked outside of the studio system for the most part or i shouldn't even say that i should say like his circumstances were just different in the sense that like he could shoot as long as he wanted because he kept such a small crew and he kept budgets down in other ways. Um, so it's a thing where obviously in a perfect world, I'm curious, would you like, 
where where your thought process is with uh, about this with, with takes where it's like you know with music it is a little bit more you have uh you're constrained to like you're at the mercy of whatever the drums are doing um the structure of a song etc and so forth there's more freedom to storytelling when it comes to movies as opposed to like music and and recording music uh-huh. because you're within a structure that is more uh-huh. tight essentially uh have you thought about this in terms of like in terms of recording music at all like a hundred percent like like actually a lot uh because it's just like i i prefer i actually prefer records where i have more time to do stuff mm-hmm. like i maybe other like maybe a lot of people could just agree on that but like i kind of hate the run and gun aspect of some records like there's a couple I've done where it's been fine. It's been fine for like a more punk hardcore based thing. But if I'm like getting into, I, I mostly do like try to do more elaborate like stuff, mm-hmm. but full string, we have full string sections. We got like 10 guitar, different guitar parts playing at once, you know, like, you know, kind of ridiculous, but like I prefer being able to craft those over an amount of time and really nitpick it and like dive into it and like i'll get into like i have to re-hit this one chord because i didn't like the little slide to it and like i'll do it i you know i have the it's just part of the madness but like seeing like oh like his shooting schedule for the shining extended out like longer than initially thought but look what came out of it is like cool like to me like Obviously, when you're doing a record, it you, you don't want to be like, I think this record's going to take two weeks to make, and it takes like eight, 18 weeks. Like, you right. can't do that really within yeah. reason. But, like, I'm like used to a record will probably go over a little bit. There's yeah. like almost never a finishing early aspect yeah. of records. And I, 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 I thought of that recently because a band asked me like, oh, what if we finish this certain thing early? And I just was like, there's no, fin- there's no like, I'm going to finish early on it. Like, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, especially when you're like trying to nitpick certain things, you're trying to get like a lot of attention to detail, like a Kubrick thing, like he's, he's going in so deep. Yeah. And it's like, you, you got to do it within reason. I think his stuff is like, oh, I did a hundred takes and you're like, Okay, but which take did you pick? Did you pick take 117 or did you pick take like 15? Like, I don't know. I guess his, his thing's a little different too because it like everybody had to feel manic, every, yeah. like crazed and stuff. So you're kind of like trying to get that out of people. And I would imagine that's what he was trying to pull out of people, almost like a um, method acting thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like the effect on people it had probably wasn't the best. <laughs> No, it's specifically uh, like, the Shelley really? Duvall thing. Yeah, it's yeah. And, like and, I don't back that. She she speaks highly of him in the interviews that she's done. It's it's one of those things where like on record she isn't like this man mentally abused me. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it's a thing where his process was pretty known. Uh, uh, maybe not as much as it is now, but like she, it's it's you know it's i don't want to word this improperly it's just that she you know ultimately was like uh, not it 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 had these effects on her where it's like the think about how much of the movie she spent screaming and crying and the the idea Mm -hmm. of i i believe she says on record it's like it's it's less about the amount of takes that i have to do and and more about like 
what I'm doing during those. And like Jack uh-huh. Nicholson, not not to take away from his like incredible, it's like one of the most iconic. And I don't use that uh-huh. word lightly. Like the 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 number of times this has been parodied, and like if you, even if you haven't seen The Shining, you know where's Johnny? Like the 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 way that he was able to like kind of get into Kubrick's like his uh-huh. method of of uh uh you know another take another take it's like he was like yeah let's Uh go because he was also a psycho and i think shelly being like a relatively normal person and really only working with one one other director there's she did a small part in a woody allen movie but she mostly just worked with robert altman and he is by all accounts his shooting style being just a lot different uh and and not quite as insane in the sense of like Uh we're spending two weeks on this one minute of this movie or something, whatever it is. Um, uh-huh. And it's just the, the idea that she had to wake up and be like, I have to cry all day. And that would uh-huh. make her cry. And, and, and that just being so grating over the course of maybe if this movie uh-huh. did shoot for three or for six weeks, as opposed to, I think, uh-huh. it's, I think it's legitimately, uh, I wrote it down somewhere here, how long it took 51 weeks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where you know, she might have like that. A lot of people say like, "Oh, this movie broke her." She she has she you know the movie she does right after this Popeye, um, you know, is a a great performance for by, by all accounts. I've only seen clips. I haven't seen that movie in full. That's another Robert Altman. Um, but yeah, one of those things where like just certain people have are are can take that a little bit better. And I'm sure it's the same mm-hmm. thing where if if you like we're recording someone and you were like, play this part. And you just kept saying, play it. Cause that's the other thing about Kubrick. You're talking about the strange aspect of him. And it's like, uh-huh. the strange thing is when people got upset with him about like, you have to do it again. He would kind uh-huh. of not have an emotion and not get angry back. Yeah. He would just be like, okay, can you do it one more time? Like, th- yeah. like it- it's, you know, Harvey Keitel quit eyes wide shut because supposedly he made him walk through a door 60 times in a row. He was just like, I'm fucking done. And I imagine there's yeah. people that you record where if you were like, play this bass riff for, you know, play this part for 50 times, they'd be like, what are you doing to me? This is fucking. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. 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 I've definitely had, I, I've definitely had like some people who, who just haven't been used to like recording where you're really like going through stuff with a lot of detail. And they're like, like, I don't know, like say you're doing a blast part and you're like, your bell heads just aren't right. Like we have to go through this like yeah. different ways, do it slower, change out the bell, move, like do all this stuff. And they're used to like, well, last time I recorded with my other band, we did all the drums in like five hours. And like, here we are like eight days deep into drums for the record. And I'm like, it is, I don't know. Yeah. Like that yeah. is what it is. Like your other thing sounds like a demo. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. like, like, uh, I, I, I understand the madness of it. Like, I certainly understand the madness. This is why I, like, I record myself for, like, my band. Like, I'm not... Yeah. And Greg has recorded me, because, uh, like, on my band's most recent record, he he recorded most of my guitar stuff with me. But, um, he, like, he understands it, but it's, like, it, it, for... It, it was just, like, oh, I'm going to spend, like, three days on this song yeah. on yeah. all my guitar parts, like like it's not it's not just a few hours like you know i'm fine hitting this as many times as i need but there's some people who can't take that and it's kind of breaks them down you you, i think in recording i have to be aware of when that's happening with someone and like know where to cut my losses 
yeah, I gotta, I gotta like adjust. Whereas Kubrick, I don't think could adjust. And like, he also, honestly, it was much more accomplished. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like he could course. do it. And like the whole crew would be like, it's Kubrick. Guys. It's fine. Yeah. yeah so like he's 52 weeks deep. I couldn't, I couldn't go 52 weeks deep on a record. Granted yeah. different stuff. Like the filming is filming a movie is definitely more intense, but like, uh, I, I think he had such an air that they were like, you oh, know, that's, this is Kubrick. Yeah. Yep. That's and, and so the, the other aspect of it being like of this movie in particular being, uh, he shot linearly. So basically, you know, from, from front yeah. to back. Uh, and, and I think part of it being like, as like his process worked working so well for a movie like this, because as you go along, the more takes, you know, do it again, Jack, do it again, Jack, he's going insane and he probably feels insane while he's doing it. And for mm-hmm. Shelly, it's like, keep crying, keep crying. She's probably like breaking down emotionally. And that's both of the characters. That is their, yeah. that's their growth. She go, she, she is, you know, emotionally devastated mm-hmm. throughout and Jack becomes insane. Uh, it's, for sure. It's, it's, it's almost it's like, like, yeah. <laughs> It's almost like the Ross Robinson jumps on like uh, Jonathan Davis from Corn's back and like scratches him so he could get like a crazy performance out of him for like one of the early Corn records. I I can't say I've ever done that. I mean yeah. I mean I'm not really recording a Corn record, so it's a different <laughs> thing. But like, uh, I don't know that that's like one of the only thing one of the things I could you know I that makes me think of Kubrick and music. Yeah, together, absolutely. you know, like that's the, a, the insane story. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a perfect example. <laughs> and the 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 one of the other places that I really see this kind of like working in such a strange way is Eyes Wide Shut, which is Nicole mm-hmm. Kidman like her line delivery just being fucking psychotic. And like it's a thing where my wife likes Eyes Wide Shut just fine, but I mm-hmm. like it a little too much. I think where like I want to watch it like multiple times a year. And mm-hmm. she's like, I, I need a break from this. You've recently told me I need a break from this movie because every time that Nicole Kidman is on screen, I feel like I'm going insane because of the way that yeah. she is. And that's the thing that you do where I was like, that's because probably the hundredth time that she said the line. And that's a perfect mm-hmm. example of that, like breaking through, like, and you know, his, his style of take, 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 take. She's mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, I'm going to go insane. Then if you keep making me do this, uh, yeah. it's like, perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um and all right. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, it made me think of uh one of the first times I hung out with my girlfriend. Uh uh-huh. we watched The Shining together. And like we we were both stoked. We were like, Oh, we love this movie, like let's watch the movie together. Yeah. And uh one of her friends was like asked her what we had done together, like, Oh, what'd you do? And she's like, We watched The Shining and her friend was like so weirded out. She's like, That sounds romantic. Why would you do that? Like <laughs> people are just losing their minds in that movie kind of thing. And we were and like it, me and my girlfriend were like, Oh, this is a, a fun film to watch. This is like a yeah. we love to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 also funny in the sense that it's like about you know, one of the and one of the things that I do want to get into is kind of the themes of the movie. And again, it pertained to music parts of it. Mm-hmm. One of the parts being the like the guy who hates his family part of it, or it's just, like, mm-hmm. you know, it is a funny like, uh, especially someone's familiar with that. You, your first date was watching The Shining, a movie about yeah. a man who hates his family. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, so I think like as opposed to going through the entire plot, I have it kind of mm-hmm. written out here. 
Yeah. Do you have any moments that you, what's your favorite part of this thing? What's your favorite stretch of movie here? Favorite stretch. Oh man. Okay. Um, I, I kind of, what's like the two, the two areas that jump out to me, because I, I think I identified with one of these like really well as a kid. It was when Danny's like riding his little like tricycle around. And when I saw this, I was like close enough to the age where I would have recently had one of those. Yeah. And like, I related to, oh, him riding around and then him being like so freaked out by like what he saw in the hallway made me like afraid to go in like the hallway of like my grandma's awesome. house or something That's kind awesome. of thing. Um, I like, because because it's just so ominous him just riding and there's like no music having it's just like the the tricycle thing like just the big wheel going over the, the carpet. carpet and everything yep. such a specific and, sound yeah yeah and it's like just so ominous like you know something's gonna happen but you don't know what mm-hmm. but i think the other thing is like um with the typewriter like he's just typing away in the room like slowly descending into madness like this is like when he's he's the turn has happened and he's just like gone mentally but hasn't like hasn't done anything much yet like it has like the axe stuff hasn't come out any of that but it's like leading up to it like the springboard for it and i it's fun, like because I'll, I'll spend long hours working on records and i'm like oh i understand some of the madness here like yeah. just sitting away and alone in the room and like you can only concentrate on this one thing. Um, and and just like, I don't know, just the thought of him losing his mind with the typewriter. He doesn't like, if I do it with my laptop now, I'll like maybe procrastinate and be like, oh, I'm going to look at this stupid video on YouTube. Yeah. He didn't, there's none of that. He's just no. in pure madness. He's yeah. just in pure madness. Like, uh, there's no like, oh, I'm going to fix the word document real quick. Just delete this. Like it's a little yeah. more involved with the typewriter. So like I, everything about it's a little more stressful, just even for what he's going to type. Yeah. Yeah. You know, That's, um, the, 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 the one, you know, and again, after, after we get through this bit, the one thing I want to talk about is themes, but I figure I'll bring this one up now. It's like, there's another aspect of just outside of like, uh, Kubrick's many takes with the idea of producing that kind of parallel, but in the movie itself, the the theme of like uh, a man who has writer's block, or just like yeah, the idea of writer's mm-hmm. block coming up as a main plot point in this movie, and like kind of rela- relating to it, it's the one moment I have of like forgiveness for like where I just like I forgive his actions for uh, uh, like. It's specifically the moment where he's he's you could tell he's like losing it and he's we, you've been there before I'm sure sitting there with a guitar or whatever or, or and you're just like I've been able to part for this and you keep like playing the same note and it's just mm-hmm. like what's what what am I fucking doing it's yeah. writer's block being so frustrating um, and when she comes in when Wendy comes in and it's like hey how you doing and he's just like mm-hmm. please please don't come in here if you hear me typing. <laughs> please and and you know that whole bit and i think that's exactly the part you're talking about like the turn yeah where it's like okay it's now becoming a little more grim um that's the one spot where i'm just like i kind of get it a little you know and yeah he, he goes extreme like i i start yeah, yeah, to I i'm like that, oh but... yeah i'm like i would handle this situation so differently he could have just been like nice about it but like 
the yeah. turn, he just goes and he just keeps digging in and she's trying to be nice, still trying to be nice. Like, I'll bring you sandwiches or something. And he's just yeah. like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> like, and as there's a part of me that it's like, I, I kind of I kind of get where he's coming from. And also, like, again, just like a perfect casting of both of these people where Shelley Duvall specifically, like, she is so kind, but there's such a strangeness to her, even just uh-huh. in asking, like. Oh, I'll just make you a couple sandwiches, read what you wrote. And the idea of like someone being like, Hey, what are you working on? And you haven't gotten anything that you're happy with. And then being like, Oh, I'll just come back and bring you something. And maybe you'll show me what you've been working on. It's just like, I don't want to be looked at right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, 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 uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite, like I said, is the, the stretch up the stairs, uh, yeah. light, light of my life, darling. Mm-hmm. let me finish you know i, I i'm not gonna hurt you i'm just gonna bash your fucking brains in whatever, <laughs> whatever he says it's like i'm so locked in in that moment i'm just like holy fuck like it's the it's the height i think of like i think it gets a little cartoony mm-hmm. when they're in the bathroom in, in a way that mm-hmm. obviously ages still well but it's like she's screaming bloody murder and he's literally axing a door down mm-hmm. which uh, another little thing. I think it was 60 doors they went through or something like that. It's yeah, insane. yeah, because he was like, Jack Nicholson actually was a volunteer firefighter. And yep, yep. I guess it makes, when I learned that, I was like, it makes sense because he's actually like, I'm not an expert on like axe stuff, but like, it, it looks like he actually knows what he's doing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's like I've seen I've seen music videos where like a guy in a band has like had an axe or a shovel and like they're doing something. And you're like, you this guy's never touched this in his life. I, I know it for a fact. And with him, I'm like, he's like very comfortable doing it. it do, it's not it doesn't look like acting at all. You know what I yeah. mean? He's like just doing a task. Yep. That he's yep. Familiar with. Yep. hundred uh, percent. So, yeah, the staircase just like before she clumps mm-hmm. him with the bat. Um, yeah which swung the bat 42 times, I believe, uh, in that one scene. Uh, kind of <laughs> insane. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, just, like, I I think it's the perfect height of, like, such believability mm-hmm. of, like, this guy's lost it and she is terrified. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, like, it's, I, I, it's, like, the most watchable stretch in the entire movie, I think. Um, yeah. I think from, honestly, from when she comes in and interrupts his writer's block to that moment is my most watchable mm-hmm. like chunk of the movie. Um, yeah. Before I move on to the fan theory stuff, any other, any other spots in the movie itself that you want to highlight? Um, I, I, I honestly like rewatching it. I love the calmness of seeing the hotel like sure. early in the film, like the very early part, the calmness of the hotel when everything's just like, it's a hotel, nothing crazy, just a hotel people live at it and you know people stay in it and it's just a functioning yeah place and i honestly like seeing that aspect of it after watching everything that ensues with the loneliness of it being empty and like all the craziness just seeing it function normally is actually kind of cool taking the tour i do like that they some of the stretches in the early part of the movie are kind of longer than i feel like they really needed to be but I like that. I mean, I'm a sucker for like, yeah, I'm like a sucker for say like Lord of the Rings extended cuts. Like give me a little bit more context. It's fine. I don't need like, I don't need like a really quick takes of like, here's like the kitchen and here's like the main room of the, like the lobby. Like this is kind of cool. They're just like, they're like slowly strolling through like the basement. Like, yeah. 
that, yeah. like in there they're in they're like showing how much meat is in the cooler or like the 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 dry goods you know in the pantry like technically they didn't need to show that he didn't need to say like seven different meat types and like how yeah. much they had of legs of lamb and stuff it really doesn't need to be there but i like it because that's what it it makes me feel like more like i'm there than i'm watching like the greatest hits compilation of their sure. experience yeah i that's a, i'm, that's I'm fine seeing the calmness of let's look at this fridge here like the mundane bullshit because later on it picks up so crazy yep that yep. like this oh did oh we have chocolate ice cream like okay who cares but yep. like it's actually kind of cool yeah, I, I love it. I, I literally love that aspect of it. And I like when movies that I like do that. It's There's such a difference between, like, this movie is boring and long, and there's stuff that I can cut, and this movie is, like, it's it's such a line. Obviously, like, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I absolutely agree with what you're saying, is, 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 is what I'm trying to say, essentially. Okay. Uh, my other one that I wanted to highlight is a segue into the the fan uh-huh. theory stuff. I, I guess I should ask before I get into any of this. Have you seen that Room 237 documentary? Okay, so I haven't seen it, but, but you I've watched it. a couple. Yeah, I've seen a couple clips and a lot of bands that have come through the studio have asked me if I've seen it. And even though I haven't watched it, I've been described that movie so many times over the years. Like, I feel like I've watched it. Like, I don't need to watch it because I've yeah. had like 20 bands describe everything about it to me. Sure. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, again, I haven't seen this. I have a buddy who lent it to me, but I, I think he took it back. Cause I just didn't watch it. Now I want to, I want, it's like part of me wants to watch the other part. I, I feel like I, I know all about it. And, and more than anything, I think that movie, that documentary, whatever you want to call it was supposed to highlight not the theories themselves being like, oh, this is what the movie's about, and more it being like, it's interesting what other people project onto movies, where it's like, mm-hmm. let's let's go through it essentially. I I yeah, I think like the movie itself. Here's my take on on the whole thing. It is a mm-hmm. ghost story, and at at mm-hmm. its heart of it, Stephen King wrote this this book, and there's plenty of other stuff in the book that that Kubrick leaves out for the better. I think, um, mm-hmm. just just based on what what I know about the book. Um, and he wrote it at the height of like, he had an addiction problem that he was getting over. He wrote it in a hotel where, Mm -hmm. uh, people were leaving for the season and he was like, Oh, uh, what would it be like to be living in this hotel while I wrote this? Um, and, and I, I don't know if this is just a Stephen King footnote, uh, or if this, or if the, the hotel that he was staying, it was actually built on an Indian burial ground. But one of these things where like, that you see that stuff in his movies, you know, Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. whatever. It's just like it's a Stephen King trope um, that's become a, a a horror trope in and of itself. Yeah. So it's oh, like yeah. one of those things where, like, I just buy into this movie being a, and this is how I watch most movies, where I'm just like, uh, I'm just gonna watch the movie uh, and not not really try and dissect frame by frame what's going on. I I, I kind of mm-hmm. leave that to where my mind wanders after I've seen a movie or if I've seen it a million times, that kind of thing. Um, I'm just, I'm completely with the idea of, oh, this is built on an Indian burial ground. There is uh-huh. plenty of, uh, of allusions to Native Americans, whether it's like the food uh-huh. in the pantry, the rugs, uh, the uh-huh. mention, mention of the Indian burial ground. Like, I'm like, okay, so, you know, uh, Kubrick did a good job of essentially like sp- spelling out or, you know alluding to the idea of like, oh, this is kind of a uh, payback for 
we we colonized and built a hotel over these people's uh-huh. these people's sacred land. Um, yeah, and, and and him kind of just being like, yes, I'm gonna sprinkle that in throughout, but the movie is is a, uh-huh. a scary ghost story. Where I kind of like, and and again, this where I connect most with it is, uh, he's my other favorite part of the movie, the bartender scene, the first bartender scene, yeah. where he's like, I mm-hmm. would sell my soul for a beer, and immediately yep. the bartender shows up, and it's like, okay, to me, this is a ghost story about like evil, and and that's it, and and mm-hmm. and I love it, and, and you know, not that's it, like obviously it's it's about like a man who is uh. Uh, hates his family he's got writer's block he's trying to create all that stuff where i fall off is and i'm going to go through some of these fan theories right uh-huh. now and, uh oh yeah and you you stop me when you when when there's where's one that's <laughs> uh you're like i already know where it's going <laughs> yeah so um basically there, there's a few that i'll highlight one being jack torrance is the devil that that kind of uh-huh. plays into mine that's like a little like different take on the, the way yeah. that I see there, the movie. There, there is the thing with him, like the pose at the end, like the yeah. hand motion, like a baphomet. Yeah. Which I didn't realize actually Me up either. until a year or two ago. I was watching a like a YouTube video about The Shining, um, and they mentioned that, and I, it made me actually rewatch the movie again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I watch it like a bunch of times per year, anyways. Sometimes it's on in the background. Sometimes I'm actively watching it, but like. Yeah. I was like, I never thought of it like that, but yeah, he is doing the Baphomet thing. I I don't think he's the devil. I I I I I I. It's just like an I interesting... think that's a that's an interesting like thing to add, but like I, yeah, I don't think he's like straight up the devil, but um, I'm we'll see what the other theories are because I feel like I'm I, I don't want to say it before you get to it, so yeah. Uh, I'm saving what I think you're saving for for last for last. Uh, okay. There's one. There's one here that says uh, there's a theory that the the whole Shining experience is a CIA a CIA mind control experiment. Where, oh, MK Ultra or yeah, something. Yeah. Um. People project that, this that... onto Stanley Kubrick's movies all the time, where it's like Eyes Wide Shut is telling us about Harvey, uh, not Harvey Weinstein. Uh. Who's the fucking nightmare guy? Jezzeline, uh Oh my god. Uh you know the guy I'm talking about. Fuck. Oh. Yes. Uh I I know what you mean. It's yeah. like I've put such little thought into those because like I feel like those come up when you when someone smokes like too much weed yep. and they like check out a little bit like when you like Stephen Car- Stephen Carpenter from like the Deftones yourself like too much. <laughs> Because yeah. I mentioned that because I just saw a news article that said Deftones working on a new record. We found this out because Steph Carpenter from the Deftones mentioned it on a Flat Earth podcast, like a Christian <laughs> Flat Earth podcast. And I was like, okay, he's like, he smoked himself a little too stupid. I, yeah. It's fine if people smoke weed, but he he like, he jumped the shark on weed yeah. smoking. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you get a little too deep in that... you in like the snozberries tastes like snozberries moment yourself in life that's when that stuff starts coming up i think it's like it's it's a mixture of that with like the fact that kubrick is just a you know uh he he's a very quiet he he he's not in the spotlight ever he doesn't yeah. do interviews so people project a lot of things onto him is like Oh, his uh, he's so particular in his in the way that he makes movies. He's like he must be trying to tell us something. Where it's like I really think that's not it. 
uh yeah like that guy is so strange that like you think you think that the cia trusted him or the government trusted him with this other stuff like yeah he's gonna be filming this the 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 cia project for 20 years yep yep i don't know um (laughs) the the so uh two more one being uh that Mm -hmm. this is this movie is about uh and makes allusions to like the Holocaust also being and uh, and and it relating to Native American genocide. Again, I believe the Native American genocide stuff being a, a theme throughout. Where it's I, like, yeah. yeah. But this movie isn't about the Jewish Holocaust. It's not about the Holocaust in the no. 40s. It's I I, I think that the, it's just only because people could relate the themes to other scenarios. Yeah. Yep. Like like so it's just like yeah, it does cover the stuff about. Native American genocide and and all of that. So of course it could be applied to other genocidal yep. issues. But he, I don't think he was like, I need to make a think piece about th- yep. these other events too. So the last one being the fake Apollo moon landing, an apology. I don't know why they they think it's an apology either, but him like reckoning with the fact that he was hired to film the moon landing, just truly some of the most insane. You know, it's. So obviously the two main points being um, it's room 237 because the moon is 237 million miles away from the earth, which I think is actually wrong. I think it's 238 miles. It's like one of those things. Well, where... it's, I think it's, it's, it's gotten a little longer. I think over time okay. it has like stretched away. That's just sure. like a thing. But I, I think this is like, yeah, this is the part where you like someone has like smoked themselves stupid a little yeah. bit. Like it's like a little too much like going into it. It is it is interesting. I will say it is interesting to hear the 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 clues as to why they think it is because yeah, the two hundred thirty seven thousand like that stuff. Sure, the Apollo shirt. Sure. Yeah. Oh, the carpet. The carpet in the hallway, kind of looking like Cape Canaveral. Yeah. Theory, sure, but I don't. I just don't think so. Like it's it's too, it's too crazy. It's I do find it fascinating that someone could link all of these things together, but I think that someone could find links to another big event in society and be like, he was saying this too, and you're like, I I really don't think like. It would have come out. It would have come out. I, and there's the fake interview, the fake Kubrick interview that like where he, a guy pretends he's Kubrick and then admits to the moon landing stuff. And, right. You know, when so. I first saw that, it was presented to me as being Kubrick. And I was like, I don't I, this doesn't feel right. And upon Googling it immediately, you find out you're like, oh, it's a little fishy. Yep. Yep. That's uh, I, we're completely um, on the same page about all yeah. of that. Yeah, I, I will. I, I will add in. Um, it's not about the moon landing thing, but it's the photo at the end, the photo at the end, because you Uh mentioned the thing about the devil. Yeah. Uh, the theory, which I don't think it was covered in room 237, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts of the photo at the end, whether that is like the souls of people who've been consumed, like the, the hotel is its own entity. Yeah. Like if, if it's not like there's ideas of reincarnation and like that yeah. there's different caretakers who come through and they repeat this process and um, just the souls that are in that photo, like, like, like he's, he's at the end, he's like a new entity in it. Yeah. Like, 
it's not like actually a photo from the 20s because it it i in like maybe the photo it adds in these new souls every time like yeah i like that i that that's one where it's just like i could see that that's a perfectly plausible like almost a fan idea of like i like mm-hmm. this movie a lot here's an idea and like i could totally see in reality uh, it's it's hard to say that like kubrick just put it in because it looks cool because it feels like someone who is so particular and meticulous he's too thought out he's too thought out it's like it's like the idea of the twins being in the movie and then the the idea of the kids were supposed to be eight and ten that died at the hotel yeah i think i don't think that's an oversight i think that's just another facet of the whole like legend of the hotel that like yeah. maybe they didn't explicitly talk about it, but I don't think he would have oversight in a script like that yeah. or just, Oh, this was like cool just because it doesn't seem right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I like it as an, it's an interesting, interesting theory. Um, yeah. All right. I have questions for you that'll rapid fire questions. Uh, and let me, mm-hmm. I want to, I wanted to go through Shelly and Jack's filmography around this time. You know, mm-hmm. we'll I'll I'll find a spot for when someone does another uh, uh, movie from either of those people to, to do that. Um, the the uh, interesting facts kind of thing that I the, some stuff that I that I didn't get to. Uh, he had his assistant type out all the pages for uh, all work no play make Jack. You know uh, that that whole spot. She spent like two weeks straight just that's eight hour days typing that out. It's insane. Um, Stephen King hated it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows that. Um, the, Have you seen the straight to TV movie one? No. Like the and adaptation? I, and I don't think I will. And part of Stephen King getting the rights back to the, the, the film rights back to it was a part of the agreement was that Kubrick uh, sold them back to him and said, you are no longer allowed to talk about how I butchered your book. It's literally a, <laughs> bind, and a part of the legally binding paperwork that sent him the rights back over because he was so annoyed by it um the inventor of steadicam literally was on set operating for this movie um mm. yeah there's other stuff but but all right all right let's get to the rapid fire stuff um mm-hmm. okay would you take this job the, oh that yeah i like i like being like kind of yeah. secluded with your own work thing. I put on The Shining when it's snowing sometimes at the studio when I'm working on mixes. And I'm like, I don't want to leave the house for like a week right now. Like I'm fine just focusing on work, shut out the outside world. Great. Awesome. Com- completely agree. And I assume the equivalent of writing your novel would just be re- working on like a solo record, essentially. Yeah. If I, if I literally like could have just done that and like been working on a record, like yeah. totally down in. Uh, what if you were writing a novel, what would your novel be about? What would my novel be about? Oh, man. Uh, if I just me, not me as hit me as, uh, as, yeah. as Jack, just like a novel. Uh, it'd be sci-fi based. It'd be like a sci-fi based thing. I love Perfect. sci-fi stuff. Uh, would you tell your eight year old kid about the Donner party? Honestly, probably, I probably would have mentioned it. Like, fair, fair, I probably, fair. if I had an eight-year-old kid, I'd be like, "Yo, Steve-O has a podcast. Steve-O from Jackass. You want to listen yeah. to it?" Yeah. Sure. Um. Uh. What would the first meal that you make at the hotel be? Um. A just egg, vegan sandwich. Okay, like it. I like it. <laughs> uh. What 
what would be an awesome word like red rum to spell backwards and repeat over and over again like a lunatic? A word to spell backwards. Think uh, of an awesome word, and then let's see what it what it what it is backwards. Uh, uh um. Oh, I'm blanking now. So, so my, I mean, mine was just a simple kill, which would then be lick, lick, lick. Uh, you know, just, just something. Yeah. Just, just something. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you were supposed to be writing a novel, but could only keep typing one sentence over and over again, what would it be? Uh, let me get just one. Let me get one more take. <laughs> That's like the every record I've done. It's always like, yeah, one more take. Twenty takes later, <laughs> like, yeah, one more take. <laughs> um, okay, Danny loves riding his big wheel around the hotel. If you were a kid, what would be the thing that you would be doing all the time to kill the time during the stay? Honestly, if I had a big wheel, I'd be riding it. I literally, as I rewatched it, I was like, I wish I had an adult big wheel to ride around. That would be the most fun thing possible or have a hot wheels track and make the most the world's biggest hot wheels track i like that that's good uh have you seen dr sleep have you seen the sequel yes okay yes, and, and, theaters. yes or no did you like it that uh, one word eh. okay it was fine I, it was fine I, I i'm going to uh i i i feel like i keep putting it off just because it's like it gets more into the vampire but and i'm like the second i hear vampires i'm like i'm out I like the shining. I don't need backstory. To, I don't need backstory to the shining. I don't need backstory to the thing. I just want to accept them as they are. I don't need backstory to Arian. I just yep. cool. The thing exists. Love it. I agree. I agree. Um, all right, Chris, this was fucking awesome. Um, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you soon, hopefully. And, um, and, and we'll, we'll figure out another one for you to do down the line. Cause this was great. 